And hey, look, I do want to just start by honouring Tim and Tori. I think um, sometimes we forget how hard it is to pastor a church, and I've been around churches for a long, long time, uh, and I've never served under better leaders than these guys. So guys, we just bless you and we love you. And I do want to thank you for having me. I know that I'm not regular here, um, so I just feel really, really honoured to be here and be amongst you. So I'll try and do justice to what we're doing tonight. So if you've got a Bible, I'd like you to open it up. We're at Ephesians 1. It should hopefully come up on the screen, or if you've got a phone and a Bible app. really want the Word of God to speak tonight, not me speak. Um, so we're going to dive into it. And we're looking at Ephesians 1, verses 11 to 14. And we're going to continue at the rapid lightning pace of four verses per week. <laughs> and we've booked in Dan Thornton, actually, to speak on the last chapter of the book of Revelations in 2055. So track that one in your diary. Apparently that'll be a really important one to get to. But within all of the noise of sort of what's going on here, I want us to focus on verses 13 and 14. I want us to think and pray and be moved by who the Holy Spirit is. Does that sound okay? So let's start. Verse 11, Ephesians 1. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Amen. So have you ever really had to trust someone? that they were going to fulfil a promise that they made to you? Have you ever had a guarantee from somebody that things would turn out in a certain way? When I was growing up, my dad used to take my brother and I to Mile Lakes, and one of our favourite things to do was to sprint and run off the pier. Um, And we would do that all day long. But sometimes when the tide got really, really low and twilight was setting, it got a little bit scarier when you were on the edge of the pier. You'd see the oysters, you'd see shadows that looked like you know, hammerheads in our mind. Not that there's ever been a hammerhead at Mile Lakes, but anyway. Um, and you are scared as anything on the end of the pier. And I can still hear the sound of my brother's voice saying to me, Ads, it's all good, on three we're going to jump. Mate, 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 I'm good for it, let's go. One, two, three. And Adsy is over the end in the water and Luke is up on the pier just laughing his head off. I couldn't trust the thing that he said. But it was totally different when my dad would deal with me. When I was scared and my dad was there holding my hand and we were on the end of the pier, I said, Dad, would you jump? And all he had to say was, of course, mate. He'd hold my hand and in we'd go every time. You see, any promise is only as good as the one who makes it. And any guarantee is only as good as the guarantor. And today we're going to look at the person and work of the Holy Spirit and how he is both the guarantee of our future and our deposit to be enjoyed in the present. Everyone still with me? Cool. So let's step through the passage and I just want to remind us of context. I think Tim did such a good job in week one of setting us up. This letter is written to the church in Ephesus. So it's written to believers. 
This letter was then probably thrown around to a whole bunch of different churches in Asia Minor. So it's, it's written to the church of God. Verse 11, it says, if we've got it on screen, in him we were also chosen. So in another translation, it reads, in him we were made heirs. So if you are an heir of someone, you are treated like a son or a daughter. It's an echo of verse 5. In love, you were adopted to sonship. And now there's a truth just to let sink into your soul. If you are a believer, that you are a child of God, you are loved and you are cared for. But what does it really mean to be an heir? Now in Roman law, which is the context in which this was written, adopted children enjoyed all the same rights as natural children. And the Greek word used in verse 5 here is translated to mean the full legal standing of an adopted male heir in Roman culture. That was the term used. And what is the primary benefit of this full legal standing? Well, heirs were entitled to an inheritance. And this is a really, really important idea. So if you're taking notes, I just want you to write down on your page, inheritance. So in him we were made heirs. Now, second half of verse 11. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So how were we made heirs? By his plan and by his will. It was his plan and his desire. It is his desire that you be a son or a daughter. Now let that truth sink in. He desires to be with you. Now I personally can't think of a better message to hear or to give to my daughter as she's about to go into school life that she is loved, that I desire her best, that I care for her. And that is the message for every single one of us who believe what the Lord thinks of us. So who has been made heirs? Let's go to verse 12. In order that we, that is the Jews, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you, that is the Gentiles, that's us, also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So we have here both Jews of natural birth into God's family, children of Abraham, and Gentiles adopted in, which includes you and me, made heirs, sons and daughters, through Jesus, when we hear and believe the message of truth that is the gospel. So now we get to the good stuff. Not that any of that wasn't good, but we're going to jump into verse 13, and we're going to talk all about the Holy Spirit. Verse 13, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Now there's a lot going on here about the Holy Spirit, but there's three things that I want you to take away. One idea is about the past, one idea is about the present, and one idea is about the future. The Holy Spirit was promised from long, long ago. Story of the past. The Holy Spirit is a deposit that you can enjoy now. Story of the present. And the Holy Spirit is our guarantee, our source of confidence for our future. So promise. Verse 13. When you believe, you were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit. Now God's Spirit has been active for a very long time. We know in Genesis 1-2 it said that God's spirit hovered over the surface of the waters. We also know in the Exodus narrative 
that the divine presence who led the people of God as fire and cloud, who moved amongst them in their camp, who went ahead of them in battle, who dwelt in their tabernacle. So interesting when you hear the prophet Isaiah speak about the divine presence, divine presence in the Exodus narrative. The prophet calls the divine presence the Holy Spirit. See Isaiah 63, verse 11. Then his people were called the days of old, the days of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them out of the sea with the shepherd and his flock? Where is he who set his Holy Spirit amongst them? So we can see that the Holy Spirit has been acting for a very long time. But did you know that God's promise through the Old Testament prophets that he would send a Messiah to save his people and re-establish the kingdom of God was also linked to a promise that the Holy Spirit would be sent on all believers. Now there's nowhere better to see that promise fulfilled in Scripture than when the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost. If you've got a Bible, we're just going to quickly rip through Acts 2 and there's a point here that I want to make. It's about halfway through and we'll pause and reflect on it. But Open your Bibles if you've got it to Acts 2, verse 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Amazed and perplexed, they came to ask each other, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. But no, Peter says, and he steps up. Verse 17. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Press pause. Joel is written 600 years before Jesus was even born. And this is what Joel said. Verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So it was promised from long, long ago. Gordon Fee, the New Testament theologian from Regent College, says, central to the prophetic hope was the promised return of God's spirit. And look, if you don't believe Gordon Fee, you can believe Jesus. John 14, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So the promise was that the Spirit would be poured out in a new way on all believers. And it's a promise to you. I had a great Christian mentor who once said to me, if you're ever in a position when you're struggling or in trouble, just remember the promises of God. Remember the promises that he has given to you in your life. Let me tell you, friends, there is not a better promise than the fact that the Spirit lives in us. And isn't it amazing to think of God's story that thousands of years ago the Spirit was moving, 600 years ago he was prophesied, and right now he's alive here with us. So that's the past. Let's get on to the present. The Holy Spirit as a deposit. The Holy Spirit is a deposit we enjoy in the present. So in the original language, this word deposit is the word arabon, which was originally a Hebrew word which came into use through Greek traders. 
Now remember from week one when Tim spoke about the book of Ephesians, Ephesus is a trading town. So this sense of the marketplace, this sense of trading was very, very common and would have been natural to his hearers. Again, Gordon Fee talking about what, those, um, what that word means, he says, the word Arabon signifies a first instalment, a deposit, a down payment or pledge that pays part of the purchase price in advance so as to make the transaction valid. Now, the thing about a deposit is it does two things. It's something that is received and can be enjoyed now, but it's also something that points to the future. Recently, Rachel and I, my wife, we've done some renovations on our house and we've been working with a builder, um, Matt, who we found fantastic, by the way, MJK. We'll give him a plug. But, uh, you know, it's so funny journeying with Matt um, as he runs his business. You know, he would have five or six people a week call him asking for a quote. And, you know, so many of those people are just kicking the tyres. You know, he's wasting what feels like so much time quoting and trying to get a job done. And he doesn't know that the job is real until someone pays the money. He has no certainty until the money comes in. And once it has come in, he can spend it. But it's also certainty that the rest of the job is going to take place. Something to be enjoyed now and certainty for the future. Equally, you know, it's a bit like a movie trilogy. Look, I'm personally a big fan of the Twilight Saga. Can I get an amen? No? Okay. Well, look, what's what's there not to love about five vampire-themed romance fantasy films? But in any movie saga, you know, you've got the first movie, which you can enjoy now, but you know that there's three or four more coming. Thank you, Kat. Uh, It's good to get somebody uh, laughing at that one. Thank you. But again, it's a sense of something to be enjoyed now and something for the future. And the Holy Spirit is like that. Something to be enjoyed now and a guarantee, our source of confidence for the future. But in order to be really confident about something, let me put to you that you'll be more confident if you've experienced it. How much more confident will we be if we've had first-hand knowledge of something? I was talking before about my daughter, Zali. She started kindergarten this year and I'd heard so much about her kindergarten teacher, Miss Robinson. I'd heard from Tim, my neighbour, that she was fantastic. I'd heard from Rach that she was going to be the best teacher in the school. But I didn't know. It wasn't until I met her on parent-teacher night that I came home feeling so confident that Zali would be looked after, so confident in the love that this teacher would have for my daughter. But, you know, that's confidence. And the word guarantee here used in Scripture is so much more than just confidence. Anyone who reads the financial media will uh, be aware of the fact that the RBA has given some guidance around interest rates remaining low until 2024. But it was fascinating this week when uh, the AFR really pushed into the governor and said, you know, you're talking about interest rates being low, what does that mean? And the governor said, well, look, it's our best guess. So is it a guarantee? It's not a guarantee. It's not a pledge, quote, from the governor. Now, money markets, as you could imagine, and the bond yields just moved immediately because there wasn't confidence in what he was saying. As soon as that certainty in the market was undone, it was priced. People responded because we did not believe necessarily that the governor would do what he said he would do. But what we have in Jesus, what we have through the Holy Spirit is so much more than a best guess. It's so much more than a promise made by a governor. 
It's a seal given by God himself. Now, many of you would have heard the phrase seal of approval. If you're a West Wing fan, you've probably heard someone say something like, you know, the president's seal on this bill. We're going to get it through. It's a sign of authenticity, of official acceptance. And the image of a seal in verse 13 here derives from a variety of transactions which occurred in the Roman world, most often in the form of a stamped imprint of wax bearing the seal of the sender. So a seal is a mark of authentication. It's a seal of ownership. It's a seal of authority. If you've ever watched Game of Thrones, if you have the seal of Westeros, that letter, it's got all the authority of the king of Westeros. Wouldn't recommend you watch the movie, actually. I would probably watch the show. I just read the books. Um, but it's, you're not going to put your seal on something unless it's locked in. You're not going to sign a contract for a house. You're not going to sign your name on it and put your deposit down unless you've committed, unless you're completely sure that it's going to happen. And the Spirit himself is the seal, the mark of ownership. The guarantor can be trusted. And we know that because he has sent his son. But guaranteed of what? What is it that we are so certain of? Well, we're guaranteed for our inheritance. And I told you before to write that word down. Underline it now if you can. In giving the Holy Spirit to us, God is not just promising our future final inheritance, but is giving us a foretaste of that inheritance now. It's our inheritance now and in the future. It's the now and the not yet. But what is that inheritance? What does that really look like? Because on the one hand, as God's people, we have already entered into our inheritance. The Spirit as down payment means we have possession of what God has promised. The deal is done and the house is yours. We walk in the Spirit through his empowered presence. We have a loving relationship with the Father. He chose us. He adopted us. He desires to be with us. He loves us so much that he sacrificed his son for us. We see the kingdom advancing. We see signs and wonders. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have the fruits of the Spirit. Peace, love, joy, peace, patience. We have supernatural power, insights, words of knowledge, spiritual gifts. We saw in the prophet Joel talking about visions and dreams. We have confidence and hope in the future. We don't need to be ruled by anxiety. We know who we are. All of these things we have now. The kingdom of God has already come, in part, is coming. But on the other hand, the down payment of the Spirit guarantees a future coming of what is now not yet. I mean, this is an afterpay. You know, when, um, when Paul wrote this, he was thinking about a deposit. He wasn't thinking about, you know, buy now, pay later apps. We don't get it all now. And anyone who's been alive for more than five minutes will know. You know, we heard from Greta before about what's happening in Mozambique. Um, I see every week through IJM and the updates of what's happening in the field, there is some horrible things happening to the global poor. There's horrible things happening here. I only need to look at my life to see that it's broken and that I'm, no, I'm definitely not living uh, in the kingdom of God fully now. So we live between two realities until our final redemption, and that final redemption will be eternal. It will be an eternity in perfect, loving relationship with the Father where he draws his people to himself. So living between two ages, Jesus coming for his return between the times. It's the now and not yet. So did we get that, the past, the present and the future? In the past there was a promise and it's been fulfilled. In the present 
We have the presence of God and every spiritual blessing that we enjoy now. And in the future, we have a guarantee the complete restoration of all things upon Christ's return. I might just ask Evie to come up um, as we talk a little bit about the start of verse 13. And it's really, I guess what I want to do is maybe take a leaf out of Misha's book as we were speaking uh, before the service around just that sense of wanting to enjoy the Spirit and experiencing, experience Him now. You know, in verse 13 it says, When you believed, you were marked with a seal. It doesn't say at some point after you believed, you received the Holy Spirit. What it says is that as soon as you believed in Jesus, you received the Spirit. And if you're like me from a more conservative background, you might have been raised with a sense that it's God the Father, the Son and the Holy Bible as opposed to God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's fully God. He has all the personhood and agency of God. And as we return into that concept of what was promised in the Old Testament, there's a concept of the Holy Spirit dwelling, dwelling in his temple, dwelling in us. In 1 Corinthians 3 it says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? So as we just meditate on that, I just invite you to stand. And if you feel comfortable, to open your hands. Just as a posturing yourself towards God to receive His Spirit. And I want to invite you to come and be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. I'm not inviting you to be filled for the first time if you're already a believer. I'm inviting you to be filled afresh. You've already got the Spirit if you're a believer. D.L. Moody, the great theologian, says we are leaky vessels. We need to continue to ask for more and more of His Spirit. It says in Galatians that the Spirit cries out from within our hearts. It says in Ephesians 3 that the Spirit strengthens all believers. In 1 Corinthians that the Holy Spirit searches all things. Again, that He dwells amongst and within believers. And that He accomplishes all things. So Holy Spirit, now would you come?